2: Can your savings weather an economic storm? There are very few physical assets you can invest in that are proven to stand the test of time. Gold has withstood as a valued form of money for millennia. And Birch Gold lets you convert a retirement account into a tax-sheltered IRA and physical gold. That doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. Text COAST to 989898 and claim your free info kit on gold. Text COAST to 989898 and secure your savings today.
0: Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio.
2: George Norrie, along with Richard C. Hoagland. Richard's uh, uh, podcast is called The Other Side of Midnight, uh, which you can get to with his website, theothersideofmidnight.com. Richard, I'll let you wrap up about this HD space, space drive, then i got to ask you about this NASA moon rock in the Oval Office.
3: Okay, let's move everybody over to the page where Lex has gracefully put the links and images. Can you tell everybody how to get there?
2: Yep. We go to com, In the carousel, the revolving highlight reel, click the first button, and then Richard's uh, graphics will pop up. There's also a PDF file there that you can click. It's there that uh, as well. Go ahead, Rich.
3: Yeah, the PDF is really high resolution. Okay, so everybody's on that page. Um, at the top, let's put the, uh, you know, comparison uh, micrograph. Item number one, right under the photo, is the link to the Forbes magazine article. And you don't get into Forbes, George, unless you're real.
2: That's right. In a
3: hard-nosed 3D money magazine, newspaper, whatever. So they've done a very broad view of this whole amazing thing. What they don't get into is is the philosophy that if this thing works, then everything we think we know is wrong. There are more than three dimensions. That's why I call it a hyperdimensional. Because even though certain scientists like McCulloch, and even the professional Pentagon research agency called DARPA, the Advanced Research Projects Agency, which the head of this company, IBO, led him to develop a space drive and you know put it aboard another company's spacecraft, which then Musk launched into orbit on November 11th, all that notwithstanding, if this thing works, none of their 3D theories does. It's all arm-waving. Because in our philosophy and in logic, how can you put something in the middle of nowhere, space, have no engines, no fuel, flip a switch, and have it go somewhere?
2: And it works.
3: Exactly. If it works, it means everything Founded on the idea that we're limited to three dimensions, three of space, one of time, is wrong. And that opens up such a can of worms, George. You and I are going to have to do 20 more years of shows.
2: Let's hope we can. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I intend to.
2: That would put you at about, what, 103? Well,
3: remember, with this breakthrough comes every breakthrough you can imagine, including biology, external, you know, extended aging, not getting old, not getting infirm. You know, living as long as you want. And this is not trivial stuff.
2: How long has it been around?
3: They put it up on November 11th. They're taking two months of what we call baseline data, meaning you want everybody in the world who can track it to really nail down the orbit because orbits in low-Earth orbit tend to shift a bit because of atmospheric drag, solar wind activity, Uh, flares on the sun, so you want to get all that jiggle in an orbit where there's no engine in this thing. None. Zero. And then you, you get, like, two months. They said 60 days. We're coming up, like, just before Christmas. Wouldn't it be amazing if they just, because they got so much good data, they flipped the switch before Christmas or between Christmas and New Year's? Can you think, George, of the bigger, more astonishingly positive Christmas present?
2: It's like dropping the ball in Times Square.
3: Yes, more than. Now, let me tell you one very practical application. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen next year, but it could happen in five years. If this technology works, they're calling it a quantum drive, a quantum inertial drive. Because according to one of the scientist's calculations, a guy named mullick what they're going to do with the electric field manipulation is basically change the inertia of the spacecraft. And that's assumed under Einstein and Newton to be inviolable. Not explained really by either guy, but inviolable. My Accutron measurements have said for decades that inertia can be changed. And the background changes of the physics are changing it all the time, and nobody's noticing because they're not looking close enough. It doesn't affect everyday life. But if this thing works, George, let me tell you why. In five years, it could put an end to all war on Earth. Let me say that again. If this thing works, it could put an end to all war on Earth. How? Sit down carefully. War depends on inertia or the flip side called momentum. When you drop a bomb or you, you know uh, you know, bomb bomb a car as a terrorist or, or you shoot somebody. The way of death is through the transfer of momentum through inertia and momentum of the shrapnel of the explosion or the bullet of the weapon. Right. or the howitzer shell, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? Mm-hmm. If you can change inertia in a bubble around a projector, a technological device which hooks in to the hyper-dimensional torsion field, you might be able to create a, de- a gadget, a device, to protect every city, every hamlet, every country from bombardment by anybody and within the country to protect individuals with something you might wear as a as a harness that literally would absorb the energy of bullets and other projectiles by making inertia obsolete. That's amazing. Yes! We live in an amazing time and they're going to test the damn thing sometime in the next month, maybe sooner, overhead even as we're talking tonight. Now do you see why I think this might be one of our most important shows?
2: Oh, yeah. So far, so good. And why are you so excited about a moon rock in the Oval Office? Uh,
3: well, let me, let me start at the beginning. Several months ago, I did a show with you where we talked about two major enterprise mission discoveries. The lunar Stonehenge, mm-hmm. which we've got more data on, and I'll come back and do a whole show on that. We're going to do a whole show on, on this artifact in Biden's Oval Office on the 30th, the night of Saturday the 30th, The night before New Year's Eve, we're going to do a whole three hours with all the data. So you'll leave with absolutely no doubt that Biden is sitting on an ET artifact.
2: You will on the other side of midnight, you mean?
3: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so if you look back at Lex's page, at the very top, there is a two panel uh, image left and right. Those are what are called thin sections of moon rocks that were brought back from the moon by all the Apollo missions. These images happen to be from Apollo 16. Now, the rocks on the moon are not exactly like rocks on Earth. They're a mixture of rocks on Earth, you know, from water processes. They're called sedimentary. And then there's, um, uh, you know, the, the volcanic kind of rocks that form when you have volcanoes and lava and all that.
2: I like the case that the rock is in Say again. I like the case that the rock is in. You mean
3: you mean the president? Yeah. Well, we're, we're going to get to that. Okay. Look at the image that that uh, Lex has at the top of my image page. You see that one?
2: Which one? I've the, seen, the I'm first looking one, at one. the
3: top of the page.
2: That has all the stuff scattered around.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Two separate panels. Yep. These are small thin sections of two Apollo 16 moon rocks because most moon rocks are smashed together from other rocks through impact that causes craters by meteors. So you get what are called breccias. You know, most of the rocks on the moon are breccias, smashed together rocks made of heat and pressure from impacts. When you take these rocks and slice them apart in a decent lab and look at the thin sections under a microscope, See little tiny machinery. Geometric machinery, things, gadgets, technology. And, of course, you didn't see anything like that. And Dr. Brandenburg, you know, of course, John Brandenburg. Right, George? Oh, yeah. Well, he's looked at these things, and he has come to the same conclusion I have. NASA brought back from the moon 842 pounds of rocks, most of them brushes. Most of those rocks have not been looked at. They've been put away and saved for future generations when science will get better and better and better.
2: Did the astronauts know what they were picking up?
3: I had no idea.
2: They just scooped no up idea.
3: stuff. Because this stuff is all hidden behind crusts and blast damage and micrometeorite pits, and you know they just look like, like knobbly rocks.
2: Now, how did you come up with these conclusions?
3: Well, I was asked by Morningstar many, many... Uh, months ago.
2: He's my guest Friday night, by the way.
3: I understand. He's got some good stuff. I was asked by him why the cover of the Apollo 16 preliminary science report on the Apollo 16 mission had a black and white photograph that looked like geometry. And I didn't want to give him a glib answer, so I went and looked. And I suddenly had this incredible insight. Oh my God, we're looking at tiny machines trapped in the brushes which when they're sawed into thin sections and looked at, they reveal the machinery. and circuits and all you know, screws and nuts and bolts and every imaginable uh, you know counterpart to our technology on a big and a tiny scale. Some of these little machines look at the right panel, are incredibly tiny. That's about 10 millimeters in width of the sample. It
2: looks like a mechanics bucket that was just exactly. dumped on there.
3: <laughs> George, that's impossible. That is not, 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 not possible by everything we think we know from NASA about the moon. Well, NASA has been lying. Because you can't tell me that, you know, petrologists, that's the technical name for the scientists that look at rocks, that thin section, and that look at them in thin slices with polarized light and lasers and ion beam microprobes, and all kinds of good stuff like that. You can't tell me they haven't figured this out. And they've sat on it until we come along and we say, okay, it's there. Dr. Abby Loeb, Mr. Exo archaeologist at Harvard, we challenge you to ask NASA to give you some of these samples, look at them totally independently, but in public, transparently, and publish results that prove us wrong. Science, as Isaac Asimov once said, is all about proving the other guy wrong. And when you can't, then he's got to be right.
2: This picture—the so, picture we're looking at—was taken on the moon.
3: Two, two pictures.
2: Two pictures. I, I put so, them
3: together. They're yeah, they're two. side by side. Yeah, side by side. Two separate rocks from Apollo 16.
2: The other one looks like some kind of spaceship blew up or something. I mean, pieces are scattered everywhere. Yeah, unbelievable.
3: Uh, No, it's not. It's real. You're looking at it. The only unbelievable part is the political non-reaction of NASA, the White House, the U.S. government, the political establishment, the academic establishment, because this stuff's been sitting in our archives under human possession for 50 years.
2: And you brought us a sample of a Smithsonian rock? What's that all
3: okay. about? In the interim between Apollo, which was 50 years ago, the only new sample uh, that's that NASA hard to has acquired of extraterrestrial materials was an unmanned robotic mission called OSIRIS-REx. That name is not accidental, by the way. That went to an asteroid called Bennu. Took a seven-year journey to get there to sample the asteroid, to package up in a vacuum-proof container the sample, almost a pound of material from this asteroid, you know, millions of miles away.
2: Scoop it up and take off.
3: And then they brought it back to Earth, and it re-entered the atmosphere of the Earth on September 24th of this year.
2: Amazing technology.
3: Amazing. And it's been sitting in Houston... In a special laboratory designed to protect it until they, with the right tools and a biological clean room with ultra, you know, precautions for sterilization and, you know, contamination and all that, they open this thing up, take out the samples, and start sending them around to laboratories all over the world in this pristine condition. They're not going to use FedEx. And they will then be analyzed by different countries, different scientists, different institutions, different, you know, universities. And there will be big meetings about the first analysis of an asteroid sampled by current state-of-the-art technology here on Earth. That's the idea, right?
2: You would think.
3: Okay, go to my item number four. Um, (laughs) Lex didn't quite put one in sequence. Go to number four. You see it?
2: What am I looking at? Which one?
3: Number four on his image page. Just scroll down. Well,
2: my numbers are cut off. They're gone. My My number sides are cut off. I'm, I'm, Maybe
3: I'm, your screen is too big.
2: But are you looking at these two rocks side by side?
3: No, 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 no. That's uh, the, the, It's the link below that. Okay. It's not a picture. It's a link. To a news story.
2: Oh, the news story. Okay. number four. Yeah, okay.
3: It says... I was looking
2: for a picture. Say again? I was looking for a picture. Well,
3: you're going to go back up and look at the picture next. So, it's been two months. The headline says, Why can't NASA open the damn astronaut sample container? I added the damn. Why can't they? Their excuse is they can't find the right screwdriver. What? Yes. It's a dumb, stupid cover story. And the reason I know is because when, when Bennu was sampled by OSIRIS-REx, the sample arm collected so much material, it was spilling in zero gravity out into space. And they quickly slammed the lid, and they trapped some material inside the cover, but not inside the sample container, which were two separate compartments in the, in the OSIRIS-REx spacecraft. So we were able to open the outside container, but not the inside sample container. And yeah, whatever the sample and they is. And a whole bunch of stuff outside.
2: The, the sample doesn't look like something natural, that's for sure.
3: No, it's not.
0: Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern. And go to coasttocoastam.com for more. From BBC Radio
1: 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
0: is going on a road trip. That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on AE Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah!